welcome to this episode of Black Girl in the CLE, the podcast, and our new series, Let's Vote Cleveland. Well, let's vote CLE for short. In this series, we'll talk to people from local organizations and local residents about the issues and what's motivating them to vote in this upcoming election. We'll get started with this week's guest right after this. This episode is being produced without interruptions with support from a grant from the American Press Institute. Welcome to this episode of Black Girl and CLE, the podcast. I'm your host, Shayna Black, and today I have Ife Olu Clater from All Voting Local. Is it Cleveland or Ohio? All Voting is Local is a national nonprofit, and I'm the Ohio campaign manager. Okay, so for the you represent all of the state, but you're based here in Cleveland, correct? Correct. Cool. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. So today we're talking about voting again in our Let's Vote Cleveland series. And I wanted to reach out because you're even before joining All Voting is Local Ohio, you've always been a proponent of voting. I've watched you on Facebook and and just kind of watched you. Um, It was a good fit when I saw that you were now um, with the organization, so to speak. So I ask everyone on the show, can you remember your first time you voted? Oh, yeah. So I voted by mail in 2016 because I was at college at Miami University of Ohio. And it was a really interesting experience. I Actually, I voted by mail in the primary, too, in 2016 at Miami. When I was a, when I was a senior, I turned 18. My birthday's on Christmas, so I missed Obama's 2012 election by a month. Um, hmm. But I was happy to have the opportunity to vote in 2016. Clearly the whole world changed, but it was still exciting to be able to vote in that election. Tell me why, before we start really getting into the organization, why did you vote? Was it because of Obama, the candidates, or was it something that you had been taught to vote? Uh, Voting, when I was little, my mom used to take me with her to go vote. Voting was definitely something ingrained into me as something something that is vitally important and making sure that your voice is heard. But also, I think for me personally, the fir- my first political memory is the election of 2000, so Bush v. Gore. And I actually remember being five and like watching all these Black people on TV furious that their ballots are getting thrown out. And even at that age, I knew that that's not how our democracy was supposed to work. And it really pushed me into this work. Um, it pushed me into studying politics in college, uh, volunteering in politics for Obama 08 uh, and in 2012, and now working in the space that I work in. Uh, it's really just amazing that I kind of transitioned from candidate and issue races into voter protection um, and education. So do you have a preference of which one you prefer, working more with the candidates or more with the voter education? Definitely voter education. Um, I've worked with some really great candidates. I have also seen some candidates that I'm grateful that I didn't have to work with. Um, The candidates that I have worked with have been fantastic. Uh, And the issue races that I've worked on have been great. But I just know that that's not always the case. Whereas with voter education and voter protection, it's a lot easier because we're all talking about the same idea um, for the most part. We're not, it's not like this constant fight about, there can be fights about how much we're going to expand voting rights or if we are going to expand voting rights, but it's a much more singular issue or it's a lot more focus of an issue rather than uh, working on a primary campaign, for instance. 
where there might be four or five candidates or in the presidential we had what like 10 people on the democratic side if you identify mm -hmm. with that party um so if you're working on a candidate race it can just get really messy and really personal whereas when you're talking about voting rights it's very direct yeah pretty clear cut and just even when you said like the democratic side we had like 10 candidates even going back to the the last election we had on the Republican side, there were like 13 candidates or something um, when we when Trump was elected. 16 in 2016. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I knew it was a lot, but I couldn't remember the number. So tell me about the national all voting is local and then Ohio. Is, it, is all voting local, first of all, in every state, or did you guys pick a few states to focus on? So all voting is local is a national nonprofit organization, but we are focused in eight states. Okay. So okay. we are focused in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, and Florida. Do you know how those states were chosen or why those states were chosen? Um, I don't actually have the insight. I know that some of those states are places where we thought we could get gain some ground and do some really positive work. Others of those states needed some ground, gotten in some really positive work. Uh, so it just kind of depends on the situation in each state. And probably the state. Yeah, because I know I've done some projects and some work in Ohio as always because we're the the proverbial swing state or all eyes on Ohio, you know, Ohio I get, but some of the other states, I just didn't know if it was their swing states as well. So some of those so, states are swing states or some of them are becoming swing states, but that doesn't necessarily, that doesn't matter as much to all voting as local because we're nonpartisan. Mm -hmm. um, so like if it's a swing state, it's more so about, but also in swing states, people are more likely to disenfranchise voters mm -hmm. because they think that, higher voter turnout benefits one party over another. Okay. So, you know, as I look at this program and, and what we're doing here over at Black Girl and CLE, one of the things is how do we engage the younger voters or what don't we know? Because everyone wasn't taught to vote. We taught, we were taught about the democratic democracy in the process, you know, the, the branches of government. But when it comes time to go into the polls, it's, it used to be very secretive. You know, your vote is secret. We don't speak on politics, but I think, People don't know how to vote. So what are some things that people need to know, um, especially if it's their first time voting? If this is your first time voting, um, you definitely need to know. I, first of all, you need to make a voting plan. What does that mean? Um, we we hear it. What does that mean? So that means if you decide, so let's just say, okay, how do I want to vote? You can vote early in person. You can vote by mail. Um, or you can go or on in person on election day. Um, you have to decide which of those three options you want to take. So if you want to vote by mail and you have not already applied for your vote by mail ballot, you either need to go to the Board of Elections and get a ballot application or call them and ask them to send you a vote by mail ballot application or go to their website and print it out um, and return the application as soon as possible. If you're mobile, I would recommend that you take that ballot application to the Board of Elections yourself and drop it off in that secure Dropbox so they can process it like in the next day or two um, because they have to mail that ballot to you and then you have to drive that ballot back. Uh, if you want to vote early in person, it's about deciding, okay, do I want to get like Saturday? We had the line backed up all the way from the Board of Elections to 90. Um, mm -hmm. So two blocks down the street. <laughs> and that's a really crazy situation. But okay, so how are we, do we, are we prepared for that? Are we prepared to go at nine on Saturday and be there for a couple hours? Because people were there for like an hour and a half or two. Um, also, when we look at how long that line is, people are more spaced out because of COVID. Uh, but just being aware of that, uh, also making sure that we um, know what we need to bring with us. 
So if Such you bring it, so typically they're going to ask you for an they're going to ask you for an ID. Um, if you're going to vote early, you can also just give them the last four of your social and your address, and they'll bring you your ballot. But it's going to be a lot easier if you have a ballot if you have your ID with you. And if your ID isn't valid, then if it's expired, they'll they'll typically still accept it um, because of COVID. Um, so that's something to be aware of. Military IDs, our voter IDs. If you have a bank statement, which I know a lot of people our age do not have bank statements mailed to them, or if for our seniors and folks who might be on disability or on government or anyone on government assistance, a check from like a government assistance that's addressed to your uh, address, your voting address, counts as a valid ID. So it's kind of just like knowing all these different avenues, like, okay, this is an ID, this is an ID, but making sure that we're making that plan. If we're planning on going to vote on election day, let's go to the Board of Elections website and check our voting address, or look up our voter registration and make sure our polling location hasn't changed. Correct. Because right. I've lived on Van Aken since 2008. And in the primary, my polling location was Stephanie Tubbs Jones Community Building on Lee Road around the corner. And... <laughs> our polling location just changed to Woodbury, which is still not like a huge difference. Like, I mean, it is a huge difference compared to like being at Van Aken and Lee and going across the street to Lee. But so it's not a huge difference, but if I was trying to go vote early before work and I wait in line at the Steffi Tubbs Jones building to be told I have to go to, to Woodbury and possibly have to wait there, then that's going to cause me to be late for work. So it's just kind of like, it's not like, these major inconveniences, but if you're not planning to it, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Like people say that all the time, but it's really true with voting and making sure that you have what you need. That's great. And I think um, like, that's something I just remember speaking to someone like a friend of mine and she's like, Oh, I voted, you know, STJ community building. And so for you to say it's not there anymore, it might not be there anymore. It is there. It is there. I just got moved. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's still a polling location. My, it's just not my polling location anymore. But it's it's one of those questions. I mean, I know that when I was growing up, you know, we grew up in the same house. You know, I lived here most of elementary school to high school, and I remember some days I voted at the elementary school. Some days I voted at a church. Some with well, my mom. I didn't vote. I just went with her. Some days we voted here, and. I remember shortly, like after I had moved out or I was on my own and like, I just moved back to Cleveland, um, from college. And so I had a place, but my apartment, like just during that time, the my address was still my mom's house and we would go vote together. And it was just kind of like, I don't know where I'm supposed to vote. And we didn't, weren't necessarily online like we are now, but it was that question of, did my location change and what precinct are you in? I don't, I don't know. I just show up at this school and it all usually works out, you know, like you give me a ballot. And now we're starting to find that we need to know what ward, what precinct you're in. Are you this or this ballot? And it, it just seems like we really have to be more informed as elections progress. So um, thank you for that. For that? Yeah. Um, I think that, and that experience or like that narrative can be very intimidating. Uh, I think it's important to understand that if you have access to the internet, it can be really easy to look this stuff up. So for instance, like we live in Shaker. So Shaker doesn't have wards. They just have precincts. If you go to the Board of Elections website and say, check my, there's a check my registration link or where am I registered? Um, I think it's voter lookup actually. Like something like where am I voting or yeah, I forget you. But you can, <laughs> I'm pulling up their website now. So I'm actually giving you the most direct way. I know if you Google check my registration Ohio, it will take you to the Secretary of State's website 
where you type in your you first go. name, your last name, and the county county in which you're registered, and they will show you where you're registered. Um, or if you go to the sec or if you go to the county for Cuyahoga, uh, 443vote.com, and you have my voting info, or where or where do I vote? Um, so like if you look up my voting info on the Board of Elections website, it will and that's like your last name and your birth date. Um, they will show you where you're registered and you click on, you click on your name and it'll show you where your polling location is. It will show you what your precinct is. Uh, and most registered voters, I know in Cuyahoga should have gotten like a little letter that tells you um, where you're supposed to vote and like how you're supposed to vote. So like I actually have mine in front of me. The general election day is November 3rd, 2020. Um, it has my ad, well, it mailed it to me at my address. Uh, it tells me how to vote before election day. Uh, it tells me that the presidential election, it has early voting hours on here. Um, and it also says your point location is Woodbury. Um, so if you want to vote on election day, it has that. And then it says, what type of ID should I bring? Um, some of this information is like, it seems really intimidating, but honestly, if you if you have access to the internet, it can be really easy to get this information by just saying, by just Googling, uh, valid Ohio voter ID and a website and if it says SOS like Secretary of State in the in the URL or if it says .gov you're probably in a good space that is a good um a, a good point and a good transition about just there's so much mail that comes in and I know that one of the questions people often have is you know what can I take with me so can I take the 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 letter the mailings that come like this is our supported whatever can I take that to the polling location with me can I wear a shirt that says I support this candidate can we talk a little bit about what to do at the polling location be it early voting or general election day so that's really important um you cannot wear uh a candidate or an issue on and when I say issue I mean an issue that's going to show up for you to vote on on your ballot um, you cannot wear for or against a candidate or an issue when going into a polling location or the early vote center, so the Board of Elections. Um, if you are campaigning, if you're handing out literature outside, or if you have your uh, T-shirt for X or Y candidate, then they're probably going to ask you to turn your shirt inside out or zip your jacket up. Um, so it's not like you can't vote because you support this person. It's more like you cannot endorse that candidate inside the Board of Elections or inside your polling location. Could you please zip your jacket up? Um, can you turn that inside out? Which clearly, if you're wearing a bold color t-shirt and you turn it inside out, people will still be able to read it, but the idea is that you're not endorsing candidates in front of people voting. Um, as far as like, I talked about this reminder that I got from the Board of Elections. Like, unfortunately, even though they sent me this and I received it and I'm, I am Ifeolu, um, this is not a voting ID. If you go to voteohio.gov, they will list out like the specific types of voting IDs. VoteOhio.gov is the Secretary of State's website. That area is like really specific, uh, is and it's really important that we realize. And so that if you have a state ID, if you have a driver's license, unfortunately, if you're college students, your student ID does not count. Um, a lot, most of these documents, the key thing is, does it have your address? Does it have your voting address? So your passport is a government issued identification but it does not have an address on it. So your passport does not count as a voting ID. Okay. So, Ability where you live or a government issue check, 
it's mailed to you is proved proved where you live. And that's all available online. And I believe you can even call the 443 vote phone number because I've had to call for a few things um, just my with my own voting. And, and they've been very helpful. So for those that, you know, maybe you don't have Internet or you don't you don't have computer access, you can also call the 216-443-VOTE number. And that's the Board of Elections. So it's not your organization. It's not my organization. It's nonpartisan, the Cuyahoga County Board of Elections. And I want to emphasize one thing there. Like some people are like, well, I don't want to bother them. Like, guys, this is their job. <laughs> like helping you vote is like the goal of the Board of Elections. And I call boards of elections literally almost every day, um, depending on the county and what's going on there. And people are generally very helpful and ready and they want to help you. Um, even if there's an instance where a poll worker or somebody has maybe been mistaken. A couple of weeks ago in a neighboring county, a poll worker told somebody trying to vote early that their military ID was not a valid voting ID, which is incorrect. So somebody called the 866 Our Vote Hotline it rose to our command center. I monitored the command center. I called that board and the person who answered the phone was like, oh my gosh, who said that? And then when I spoke to the director, the director was like, oh my gosh, yes, we've gotten calls about that. It's incorrect. We've corrected the situation. So, but the, I say all that to say that these people who work at the board are there to help you. It's their job to help you vote. Um, it's their job to give you the information that you need to vote. Um, and they are happy to do that. Yeah, and I think like when I, when I called, I just didn't know. And I'll, I'll even talk about this. Like my signature, something was wrong with the signature. It said I didn't sign. I might not have signed because I was so busy trying to make sure everything was done correctly that that's the thing I, I didn't do. And then the question was, oh, my goodness, now what? And so I asked the lady. The lady was like, let me hold, put you on hold a second. I'll find my supervisor. She couldn't find a supervisor. Let me, and like she really spent the time to work through to find the answer for me. And even, you know, it was like, I'm sorry, do you mind if I transfer you? Because they know exactly how to handle this, you know, answer this question. And so it was very, I wasn't on hold too long. You know, it just was very nice to have someone to talk to. Because, I, you know, at that point, going online was just not going to, I wanted to talk to somebody because I was so panicked about my ballot. But you mentioned this 866 vote line, our vote line. What is that? So the election protection hotline is uh, 866 our vote. Uh, and there are also phone numbers for people who speak Spanish, uh, Chinese, and Arabic, and I'll get those numbers in a second. Uh, mm -hmm. But the Election Protection Hotline is created by the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. Uh, and in Ohio, it's monitored by the Ohio Voter Rights Coalition. Um, so that's the League of Women Voters, Ohio Voice, which is a C3 roundtable, and Common Cause Ohio, and all voting is local. Um, also in that, as we look at election protection, uh, the ACLU of Ohio and uh, the Coalition on Homelessness and Housing in Ohio. Uh, and they have like an Ohio Votes Program um, and also a nonpartisan Ohio Voter Outreach Committee. It's a lot of names, a lot of letters, but all that is saying there are tons of people who are literally working to make sure that you can access your right to vote. Uh, if you, so, for that instance where I mentioned the guy in a neighboring county, a voter in a neighboring county who was told that his military ID was not a valid voting ID. He calls the hotline, it gets escalated to us. We call the board of elections and say, hey, like this looks like it's not quite the right information. Um, can we talk about how we are 
getting the right information to our poll workers so all of our voters have access and they're not being turned away. A lot of times it's really that easy, it, especially when it comes to if there's misinformation or a mistake that a poll worker has made. A lot, I'm not gonna say that these poll workers are malicious. Uh, some of them, maybe, maybe they went to the bathroom during that moment in training and they missed that part. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, a lot of times it's not malicious. It's just, they made a mistake. And human error. Or error. what they said was, or what they said was maybe misinterpreted by the voter. So those types of things is what we have to really be aware of. So when do we call the number? Like, do I go home? Like, they told me that I can't vote here. Should I go home? Should I call you from the space? Like, especially as we go through yeah, the day, when uh, do we call? So yeah, call as soon as you, like, go to your car and call. Like, go sit in your car. Don't be in the mass crowd of the line or everything. Um, but yeah, go to your, go sit in your car. Give us a phone call. Uh, when you call that hotline, there's going to be, Typically, someone in the legal profession, a uh, volunteer attorney, uh, who will answer, and maybe they'll be able to give you like the statute or something, which isn't always, which typically isn't helpful, helpful to like a layman. But then they escalate it up to our command center, and typically we call or follow up with the voter. But if they like that instance, like whoever was told their military ID didn't count or wasn't a, a valid voter ID, and somebody's gonna say, well, the Secretary of State's website says that, like explicitly lists a military ID as a valid voting ID. So they're going to tell the voter that the voter can either tell that to the poll worker or like it said, like I said, it gets escalated to our command center and somebody follows up with the voter uh, and the board of elections to make sure that they are, that they're able to vote, that the situation is handled properly. So it's, it's, it's a good process. We also have poll monitors. So there are folks who will have on an election protection face mask or an election protection button or have a lanyard on and or have a lanyard on uh, that says election protection or nonpartisan uh, volunteer. And basically those folks are there kind of like talking through the same things. So like they have a cheat sheet of frequently asked questions, but they also can tell you, uh, they also can call the hotline for you and they have an individual reporting form um, that goes straight through also. So again, there are tons of people wanting to make sure that you have access. So at no point should you just give up. So are your your workers, are they located in the polls or are they outside in that outside of the neutral zone? Are they allowed in the neutral zone? I guess is what my question is. That's a really good question. And they're outside the neutral zone. So unfortunately they're amongst the candidates, which I know is can be really intimidating. But they, like I said, they will have on either a black election protection t-shirt because I actually have some t-shirts they or a lanyard, a button, a face mask, but they will all have the same, just about the same branding, say election protection with like a word bubble that says 866 our vote. Okay. Um, okay. That's the big thing, making sure that folks know and have access to that hotline. And a lot of times they might catch you on the way out like, hey, did you have any issues? The other thing I think that it's in, is important is as much as we can help it, we want to stop people from voting provisionally because though, because those ballots don't always count depending on, so if you, if I went to Stepping Tubbs Jones, even though that's not my polling location anymore, I'm like, I've been voting here since 2008. Like, this is where I'm supposed to vote. Like, you, like, they have to give you a ballot. They have to give you a provisional ballot. But the ballot for Shaker Heights A might be different from Shaker Heights E. And so my, it's not required that they're going to count that ballot because, yeah, they gave me a provisional ballot, but it wasn't for my correct precinct. So will they, so will they, can, sorry, will they toss 
So will the whole ballot not be counted, or will they just not count the, the difference in the ballot? I think it depends on the races. Okay, so like I'm just saying, like let's say you did that, you did provisional, and you voted for president, and maybe that's all you were concerned about. You weren't concerned about the school levy or whatever the other piece was, and that might be the difference, or whatever those, you know, usually it's smaller ward or councilmen that are changing. Would your, I know a lot of people are focusing on the presidential race and are like, national races would they still count that or would that whole thing just be invalidated or do you know i personally don't know i think it might depend on the county okay i don't okay. think there's a statewide ruling on it i'm not 100 percent sure honestly and you know and actually what that what that can kind of lead us to is that I, you know, I tell people we need to be prepared because there's going to be a lot of rulings as we get closer it sounds like it just i believe and from what i've heard um Candidates say, you know, we're ready to fight for you. We're ready to take this to court. It's very, it's been a lot of conversation about that. And that doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but how can people stay informed? Because I, I'm thinking back to our primary where, you know, the night before it was like elections canceled, no elections happening, no elections canceled. And the judge ruled, the judge ruled. How do people stay informed? I think one good source of information, honestly, especially in Ohio, is the League of Women Voters of Ohio. Yeah, the League of Women Voters of Ohio uh, typically has really good information. And the good thing about the League is the League's been around for 100 years. Uh, their Twitter handle is LWV Ohio, so League of Women Voters Ohio. Um, and they, like I said, they've been around for 100 years. Uh, they are nonpartisan and committed to being nonpartisan. They have branches and chapters all over the state. Uh, but they typically keep track of election news uh, and post on their Twitter. Uh, Common Cause Ohio also is pretty good about posting election information. And those are two of our really great partners. And so all voting is local. We have a we have a Twitter also. Uh, we post, but our Twitter is mostly is like for all of our states. So it's not as specific to just Ohio. Um, but if you want to follow at voting is local, that's a good place to go to. Common Cause Ohio's Twitter is literally at common cause Ohio. Okay. Um, okay. But both of those sources, the League of Women Voters and Common Cause, post articles, post news, post updates, so that you can kind of stay informed if you're on Twitter. Um, if you're on Facebook, they're also active on Facebook. Uh, but no, it can be overwhelming. Another thing that I think can be helpful is, um, especially because we're in Cleveland, the Plain Dealer has a subscription called Capital Letter where they email you every morning at like six in the morning with different statewide news stories. Uh, and so that's helpful when it comes to elections because that's not a national news story, it's state. It's very focused on, okay, what's going on in the state? Are there lawsuits in the state? Are there, uh, what's going on in the state legislature? What's going on with the election? Especially right now, there's always a story about the election. Um, who's coming to Ohio, like what candidates are coming to Ohio that is of interest to you also. So I, I want to talk about two more things because I know we're going to be short on time and I, I really thank you for talking to me. Let's talk about the mail-in ballots first and then we'll talk about election day. So we've been getting all summer like request your absentee ballot, which some people don't even know the difference between absentee and mail-in, but request your ballot. Um, and we've seen news across the state that some people haven't received their ballots yet because of whatever's going on in different counties. And I don't think that's the case here in Cuyahoga County, but I know Summit and, and Lucas County have reported 
delays in ballots. What do you do if you haven't gotten your ballot yet? That's so vitally important. Number one, you can track your ballot. Um, so that's a really big thing. If you go to uh, your county board of elections website, so 443vote.com, there's literally a tab on the left-hand side that says, where's my ballot, or track my ballot, rather. Um, when you track that ballot, you're going to type in your first, your last name and your birth date. Uh, you're going to select the election, and it's going to show you where your ballot is in the process. So for my, I helped my mom through this process, uh, and I dropped off her, I dropped off my mom and my sister's absentee ballot applications. Um, when I dropped off their applications, we checked, like, the next day, okay, their applications had been received and they're being processed. Um, and then it showed, okay, these ballots should be mailed in the next day or two, or it should be mailed, it'll tell you, like, either it's going to be mailed, like, today, or it's going to tell you, like, a date. Like, your ballot should be mailed by, so for them, it was mailed on, like, the 12th, I want to say. It took almost a week for them to get that ballot, so if we are planning on voting by mail, we really want to get those in now. We want to get those requests in ASAP um, to make sure that the board has time to process that ballot application and send you your ballot. Um, that's like a really, really big deal. But it will tell you when your ballot is mailed, um, and it'll also tell you when you drop it off, if when your ballot was received. So I went and dropped off my mom's ballot and my sister's ballot, uh, and online they put in their name and their birth date, and it shows them, okay, your ballot was accepted for counting on this date. One thing I want to highlight there as I talk about how I did this process for my mom and my sister, any of us can drop off someone's vote-by-mail ballot application. So, Shayna, I can drop off your vote-by-mail ballot application. I could come down the street and get everybody on your streets vote-by-mail ballot applications and drop them off for them. When that ballot gets mailed to the voter, only the voter or a close relative of that voter can drop off the actual ballot. Correct. Right. I was going to ask you about that. Can you send it with your neighbor? Um, that's a question that I've, we, were doing, we were doing some work with, that we can't do those drives where you drop it off at the church and then the church, not for the ballots, correct? Correct. And I think the state lists like, who the family members are. I saw that on the site. So you can't just be like, well, they kind of like a cousin. Like, you have to be like a relative. Mom, mom, the, the dad, law is parent. that the law is that yeah the who those not that it lists like it says like a cousin a, a sibling not, uh, not. a parent okay. or in law or step parent but it's like very specific to like your nuclear family correct right so that's one thing and also um you know for me give it to the relative that you trust <laughs> so you know like Look, I that's why that's why they give it to me. Right. I mean, you know, and I tell people because like my my family, they know my office is across the street from the Board of Elections. So I, I often watch the line. That's how I pick when I'm going to vote early. Like, oh, the line show sure. me run across the street. But, you know, those kind of things that I'll take that. Like I took my daughter's ballot because I'm going down that way anyway. But, you know, if somebody that's like, oh, it's a special trip, I'll get down. The no, <laughs> don't do that. Absolutely not. <laughs> and one of the things I think I like about the the dropping off, which I the way they handle that, like the way they move the traffic down there, especially for dropping off is amazing. Um, the, the first Saturday after early voting, we didn't have Saturday voting yet. We just, but I'm coming down to the office and there's a humongous line coming down Euclid. I'm like, what the heck is happening here? You know, like, cause there's nothing happening on Euclid. The board of elections is closed. And so the police had to come kind of handle the crowd. And it was for people trying to drop off ballots. 
And so they eventually, by the time I left the office, they had to set up where, you know, like no matter which way you were coming down Euclid, like they had the guy in the middle of the street with the lockbox. And I just thought that that was amazing because you can watch your ballot go in the box while you're still in the car. Because I know that some people are we're worried and we've heard stories that in other places they're not real drop box. Like we've seen that, we've heard that. But here in Cuyahoga County, at least, you're able to see that your ballot is locked and, and you get your sticker because, I mean, that's a big thing for a lot of us is your sticker. And, and I get that um, Instagram post. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's been the, we just did an FAQ guide that's coming out in the Cleveland Observer, and that's the question. Like, if I do mail-in ballots, do I get my sticker? Because I want my sticker. Um, but tell me, the other thing is, like, we talked about dropping them off. What if it's not accepted for counting? So I talked about my signature got flagged, and I had to do another form. It was quick and simple, but I had to wait for them to send me the form. And so waiting so, for that was like, oh, my goodness. And something we kind of skipped over in that mail process, too, uh, is what we call what we call uploading is local, a naked ballot, mm -hmm. which means mm -hmm. that you didn't put in the security envelope. Um, so that's one way that your ballot can get rejected. So it's it can be really confusing. I want to break it down and make it really simple for folks. So you fill out your ballot. You sign your ballot. There's a line for you to sign. There, it comes with two envelopes. There's an envelope with yellow highlights. On one side, it's in English. On the other side, it's in Spanish. Either way, you have to fill out your identifying information. So even though they sent you this ballot so they should know it's you, they want you to fill out this envelope that says, I am me. This is like the last four of my social or my driver's license number. Check this box that I filled out this ballot. Sign it, date it. Uh, you need to fill out that envelope to completion. Put your ballot in that envelope and then put the security envelope inside the return envelope. That sounds really complicated, uh, but all of those steps need to be followed. Filling out your ballot, filling out your ballot envelope completely, uh, filling out and then putting that security envelope into the return envelope uh, that is addressed to the Board of Elections. Yes, you have to do all of those things, even if you are planning on dropping your ballot off. Right, but you don't need postage, correct? Yeah. If you're dropping off correct if you are mailing correct you do not need to put postage on it if you're dropping off but if you are mailing your ballot and you are in Cuyahoga County that's 70 cent postage so put two stamps on it right it just makes it easier put two stamps on it put two stamps on <laughs> um, it. so it's 70 cents yeah if let's go forward so it's Tuesday morning election day polls are open you're headed to you know your polling location what are some things and we have our ID Let's go through the process and let's talk about things you need to know. I mean, because like we said, it might be changing. We've seen lines. Are they talking about long lines on election day? And and here in Ohio, we haven't really, we were talking about a couple hours wait for early voting. You know, is it a good idea to be like, oh, I'm going to go run and vote on my 30 minute lunch break? Like that might not be a good idea. So talk to me about election day tips for people. Um. So one, bring comfortable shoes, wear comfortable shoes. So if you don't wear comfortable shoes to work, put your tennis shoes in the car. Just, you're going to be a lot happier. And it's November in Cleveland, so. Your, yeah, or your boots, like whatever. Whatever it looks like, check the weather. Have a jacket. Have a mask, please. Uh, they will have masks if you do not have a mask. But, like, please just, like, bring a mask, wear it in line. Everyone will be a lot happier. Dress for the weather. Make sure that you're comfortable. Um, cause it's possible that you might have to wait. It depends. And should you go and like try to vote on your 30 minute lunch break? Typically, no. Uh, just cause you don't know how long the line is going to be. If you have like an obscure lunch break, like maybe you take lunch at two 30 
then it might be better or like easier to go during a lunch break. But I still would not. I would not think that I'm going to take my lunch break to go vote unless I know that I could take an extended lunch or that lunch break might be a half a day, um, which sounds extreme. But what you don't want to happen is to show up during that lunch break and like not be able to vote and be busy the whole rest of the day and not actually be able to vote. So that's why I talk about making your voting plan. Part of that voting plan also is researching your ballot. You can go to the Board of Elections website and see a sample ballot. You can go to vote411.org, which is the League of Women Voters website, and it has a nonpartisan questionnaire answered by almost all the candidates in Cuyahoga County um, and all the races, so the issue races in Cuyahoga County. So those are things that we want to be aware of and making sure that we are just ready. Do I anticipate long lines? It's kind of hard to say. We already are like, in Cuyahoga, as of Thursday, we had 27,000 people who voted early, um, just, nor just north of 27,000 as of Thursday, whereas in 2016, there were 38,000 people who voted early in Cuyahoga County. Mm. So, and we still have a whole week left. Right. So if we experience that, we clearly have higher early vote numbers, um, but we don't know that we're not going to have higher turnout numbers on election day as well. Okay. Uh, so I would just plan, be ready, no 866-hour vote in case we get some information that slows us down or maybe or tries to prevent us from voting. And the thing is not to anticipate, not to be worried or to anticipate problems, but just to be aware that like it could, it's a possibility. Um, that's the biggest thing is like, we don't want to scare folks. Like, especially here in Cuyahoga, we have not had a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. So we're, we don't want to just outright scare folks. We want people to be prepared in case they need to call the hotline. But going on election day, the polls are open from 6.30 in the morning until 7.30 in the evening. If you are in line at 7.30, not 7.31, 7.30. If you are in line at 7.30 when that polling location is set to close, they have to stay open long enough to let you vote. Say that one more they time. I, it's so important. I want you to say that just one more time. If you are in line at 7.30 p.m. when the polls are supposed to close, they have to stay open to let you vote. Now, that does not mean that we are all going to wait until 7.30 on election day to go vote. Because if you're in the parking lot at 7.30, that means you're not in line at 7.30. And they put somebody at the end of that line at 7.30. So they know who the last person who was actually there is because there's a staff person there. And and you got to think, I mean, they've been working since like 5 in the morning and now it's 7.30 p.m. They're ready to go home too. And the votes yeah. have to be counted. That's another big thing that we try to, that we've been talking about as far as all voting is local, is that we probably will not know the results on election day. Right. Like realistically, with the amount, the fact that your mail-in ballot, if you are mailing it, has to be postmarked. By Monday, November 2nd, again, I'll say it again, if you are actually mailing your ballot, it has to be postmarked by Monday, and it also has to arrive at the Board of Elections within 10 days. If you can take it into a post office to make sure it's postmarked, that is great. Please do that. If you are high risk, we understand. Ask your grandchild or ask a close relative to drop that ballot off. But it has to be postmarked by Monday the 2nd and arrive at the board within 10 days. But the Secretary of State has said that he's not going to call the presidential until all those ballots are arrived. 
and they have up until 10 days until after they have up until 10 days after election day to arrive so it's important that we understand that like some of us are looking for certain uh outcomes with this election and we might not have that data or may not have all the ballots in and the most important thing is that everyone's vote is counted everyone's vote that is legally cast must be counted and I think that's important because we I think we've gotten spoiled by this instant result before the 11 o'clock news like, oh, the winner is. And we know that that and that rule is not new about the mail in votes having to be postmarked and, and can arrive after Election Day. But this idea that, you know, I'm afraid of that's when misinformation will come. And we've heard about that. You can't trust the post office. We've heard all these things about that, that I think it's going to be in that time between voting day and afterwards while votes are being counted, because it's not just Ohio that's going to have this issue. We're talking about many states are saying don't expect the answer, the, the winner that night. I think that's when people have to stay um, informed and be ready to understand the process that votes are being counted. You track your ballot, you know, there is a wait time. So you know, is there anything or any tools or tips for people to be patient, I guess, is the question. Because, I, I, you know, we've already, we've heard so much about it. You can't trust the process. You can't do this, 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 this. You know, the election's not over at 730 that night. So if do you have any tips for how to, for people to be patient or what they can do in the wait or where to go for support to see, know what they're seeing, like to, to understand disinformation that's coming across or to know what you're seeing is not inform is not true so um i'm looking for the site because we actually just got emailed a website like hey like do so if you see something that you know is false like do not repost it um that's number one do not repost it do not respond to it you just report it i'm looking and the website is report disinfo.org so take a screenshot you can if you can take a screenshot of it and it's report D-I-S-I-N-F-O dot org. So report disinfo, disinformation that is. Report disinfo dot org. Where does that go? Or um, who's, the, who's the, whose organization is that? Do you know? That's Common Cause. Okay. Yes, that is Common Cause. But it's so important that we report that because there, I mean, there are unfortunately folks who, who want to confuse folks to help achieve a certain outcome. And so it's important that we are reporting disinformation, but also that we're not replying to it. So if I tweet that election day is November 2nd instead of November 3rd, and everyone comments like, no, it's November 3rd. Well, the first tweet that people are gonna see is still my incorrect tweet, my disinformation. So we're not gonna respond to disinformation. We're gonna screenshot, we're gonna flag it, we're going to report it to get it off of the internet and get it out of circulation. What we are going to do if we see somebody tweet the wrong election date is just independently tweet, election day is Tuesday, November 3rd. And the polls are open from 6.30 a.m. until 7.30 p.m. And if you're there before 7.30 p.m. in line, they have to let you vote. We're gonna independently send out the correct information as opposed to responding to the misinformation. Right, and stay I mean, in line that day. If it's 7.30, that is not the time to run and out and be like, I forgot something. Early before, when the early vote hours are supposed to close, then they have to let you vote. 
So like today, what's today? Today mm-hmm. is the 26th. Um, so today, for this week, the Board of Elections is open from 8 a.m. until 7 p.m. The board, if you're there at 7 p.m. in line, if you're there at 6.55 and there's 100 people in front of you and it hits 7 o'clock, all 100 of y'all, 101 of y'all are going to vote. Right. So if that line is like Saturday is going down the Cleveland State before okay. before 7 p.m., you still stay. You might still be in line at yeah. 8, but because you were in line before, you can vote. Correct? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So as we close out, I mean, I think this, I, first of all, thank you for your time. This has been just so informative and it's been so useful so that people can take whatever they need out of it. Please, number one, again, tell us the phone number and when to call the election protection line. Like, what can I call for? Is the election protection hotline. You can call if they, if the elections officials are telling you that you have to vote provisionally and you don't understand why you have to vote provisionally. Um, if the, if they are telling you that your ID is not a valid ID or if they're not even letting you vote provisionally, um, you really can call and just ask questions, honestly. So if you only caught a snippet of this podcast and don't know what to do, if your vote by mail ballot didn't come, you could call the hotline and ask them like, what do I do about my vote by mail ballot not coming? Really just any difficulty or any question that you have about voting, you except for like who to vote for you can call the election protection hotline because the way that we do as voting advocates is nonpartisan. So we're not going to tell you who to vote for. We're not going to tell you a party. We're not going to tell you a candidate. Um, but we are going to tell you how you can access your right to vote. And that's the goal. Can I call before I go vote if I have questions? Yes. Okay. And also, but also you can call your board of elections. Okay. Okay. Now I just yeah. want to make sure for people votes. as they're preparing to go out, you know, cause while we've seen a lot of, lines i know people that are just waiting to vote um and if i can add one thing that we didn't talk about but i actually had a conversation with someone about this it doesn't matter where you live in the county if you're early voting you have to vote at the board of elections on 30th and euclid there's only one early vote center per county right and so and I, i put that out there um mainly because like i said i had a conversation and as our office looks out at the Board of Elections, and so someone was in my office and they said, what's going on over there? I was shocked. Like, what do you mean, what's going on? I mean, it's early voting. Like, how dare you not know? Um, I didn't say that, of course. And I said, oh, it's early voting. Oh, I have to vote in Maple Heights. And I said, no. You know, like, if you vote. On election day, you do. Right, right, on election day. And I said, but it's early voting, so you can vote down there. No, I have a location that says I have to go to Maple Heights. And so even within that space, you know, that was someone that, the information hadn't reached them yet or whatever the information was, or, you know, sometimes it's just the old school. This is how I've always voted. You know, I vote at this location. So I see you're holding up the sign, but people don't check their mailboxes. We know that paper mail people let that sit forever in mailboxes. So if you are anywhere in Cuyahoga County, be it Lakewood, Shaker Heights, Cleveland Heights, Cleveland, I don't know the furthest outskirts of, Cuyahoga County. Dongsville, Oakwood Village, Euclid, uh, Parma. Yeah, all those, all those places. All, all of those. those places, yeah, you have. Yes, you have to vote at the Cuyahoga County Board of Elections if you're voting early before the general election day. And if you're going to vote early and you're thinking, oh, let me just go really quickly before work or let me just go really quickly after work or let me just go on my lunch break, try to go at, an, at like a different time. 
Yes. Because how many people are trying to go, if you thought it was a bright idea to just try to go really quickly before work, a hundred other people thought the same thing. And actually, you there can are, see most of the lines are wait, people waiting for voting to start. So in the morning, there's people that are outside the Board of Elections before voting starts. And so there is a long line that wraps around the building because they haven't opened yet. But like I said, I, I look out my window and then I'm like, oh, about 1025, you just walk right in. So it's really about the timing and think about yeah, everybody else is doing thinking the same thought. Yes. I went to vote on the first day of early voting. I went at like 3 o'clock. I drove around at like 10, huge line. Came back around 3, no line. Perfect. Park, go in. In and out in like 35 minutes. Right. So yeah, just being conscious of the time. Uh, and make that's part of making your plan. Like knowing, okay, maybe today... Maybe on Friday, I'm going to take my lunch at 2.30 and take it towards the end of the day. So if I don't come back, then I'll just take some PTO time. I'll take a couple right. hours. Right. Cool. Yeah. And I, so that's what I always say is, you know, take the day off. If you have a weekday off, it's, that's better than going on a weekend. Because we know on Saturday, we saw on Saturday, people are waiting for Saturday. I'm off on Saturday. I'll go on Saturday. Everybody went on Saturday and Sunday. So it's really, um, like you said, making the plan, and I thank you for explaining that because we say things like that, make a plan and research your candidates, but we never really instruct people on what that means. Make a plan. Okay, I'm going to go vote. There's my plan. No, there's more to it. And and if I can add a piece, long lines are not new. So it's not this specific election. You know, I, I'm thinking back to 2012 and 2000. We saw long lines at your polling place. I mean, your polling place of Woodbury, I remember making the national news for a long line at one point. And so it's not that it's this election or someone's trying to stop your vote necessarily. There are just some elections that have longer lines. You know, primaries, you often don't have long lines for a primary. But it's not to say that you won't. So it's just part of the voting process. And I, I like to say that for new voters, this is my daughter's first election because she just turned 18. And so she doesn't know that, like, that's part of the process, right? And some days I take, I don't take her because... I was going in that off time, like, okay, we're going to go Monday at 1.30 in the afternoon. Well, she's at school. So I would just go early vote, and so she didn't know that that was part of the process of lines. So I, I'm adding that piece in, in this little soapbox speech just to say that, you know, the election is safe, and it's not very surprising that there are lines. Like, it's just part of the process we go through to exercise our right to vote. Would you agree? I do, and we can make that change by electing some people who are more pro-voting. Um, I won't speak about people who are state le state legislators in the Cleveland area, um, but on outskirts of our major areas, making sure that we have people who are voting advocates and who are unwavering voting advocates. Because the fact that there's only one early vote center per county is ridiculous, but that's the state legislature's job to fix that. Right. So we voted so on people that made that happen, is what you're saying. Yes. And like... Grant, it's a big state, so it's not like we in Cleveland, our representatives or senators or state senators are people who are bad people or who hate voting. Um, but as a state, like, especially you have a cousin who lives out in the boonies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's who you want to call and make sure they're activating their voters and their voting advocates too, and that their state representative or state senator uh, make that they know that their state representative or state senator is a voting advocate and making sure that we are being pro-democracy and expanding the right to vote so that we don't have to 
spend two hours waiting in line to vote. Okay. Any final words before I let you go? Um, make a plan, double check it, and do not send in a naked ballot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for your time. My guest today was Ife Olu Clater from All Voting is Local, Ohio. And I uh, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here.